I'm told the minister has been able to finish uh, earlier his engagement and is on the platform. And if you may, uh, Chair, uh, we allow uh, him to to lead us and then I'll, you, you, I'll come in. Honorable Minister. Honorable Minister. Uh, th thank, thank you, uh, probably he might be having challenges. Uh, Voyo, his parliamentary officer, indicated that he was connected. That's why I, I then uh, made that request through you. But let's just proceed. Uh, if if he, he gets his things right, he will communicate. Uh, but allow me, Chair, I am with the, the delegation from the civilian secretariat led by the acting secretary, Mr. Ramaru. If you may, for the sake of time, allow him to make the presentation on the uh, uh, amendment, uh, the criminal law amendment bill uh, that uh, we are supposed to present this morning through you, Chen. Thank you. Thank you. We can continue. Good morning, uh, Honorable Chairperson, Minister, Deputy Minister, and Honorable Members. I'm Dagaran Ramaru, the Acting uh, Secretary for Police Service. With me, I'm with uh, Advocate Don Bell, who is the head of our legislation unit, uh, Dr. Philip Jacobs from also legislation unit, Mr. Melton Ndwana, also from legislation unit, Ayanda Kongwana, Director Executive Support, and Busima Zibugo, PLO. I will request through you, Chairperson uh, 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 Advocate Bell, to take us through the presentation. Thank you. Good morning, Chair. Good morning, continue. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, good morning once again. Uh, good morning, Minister. Good morning, Deputy Minister, Honourable Members, Acting Secretary for Police Service, and all colleagues. I'm going to now start with the presentation, and if we can move straight on then, I'm, I'm just going to deal with the background and introduction and then the summary of the bills. If we can move to slide three, please, Puzi. Thank you. So in terms of the background and, and introduction, Chair, uh, the Criminal Law Forensic Procedures Amendment Act 2013 uh, provides for, among other uh, provisions, the transitional provisions for the taking of buckle samples from all persons who have been convicted and sentenced to imprisonment in terms of any offence listed in Schedule 8 of the Criminal Procedure Act 1997. And these, Chair, uh, for example, are murder, rape, sexual assault, any sexual offence against a child or a person who is mentally disabled, child stealing, kidnapping, robbery, and so forth. Um, this uh, chair within a period of two years from the date of commencement of the act, um, being transitional uh, uh, provisions uh, chair, there is no possibility to extend the transitional period beyond the two years provided for in the in terms of this act. Um, the act was put into operation on 27 January 2015, and the period of two years determined by the act expired on 26 January 2017. 
However, the police were unable to, uh, the police service were unable to complete the process of taking of buckle samples from all convicted Schedule 8 offenders within the period of two years provided for in the Act. Slide four, please. Uh, still on the background and introduction, uh, Chair. Um, just just for, for uh, in addition to, to, to what is on the slides there, Chair, um, the bill was finalized during late 2017. And around May 2018, the process was suspended pending the consideration of number one, information regarding figures of outstanding Schedule 8 offenders still to be sampled. And number two, a request was made to the Minister of um, Home Affairs to extend the taking of buckle samples to all citizens of the country, commencing with infants from birth. After lengthy delays, during this communication with the Department of Home Affairs, who finally informed the drafting team that they would first need to conduct research on the feasibility of this request, as well as the constitu uh, constitutional repercussions uh, thereto. It was decided that the department proceed with the current bill in view of the time it would take for the, the Department of Home Affairs to legislate for the buckle sampling of all citizens of the country. However, Chair, the failure to take the buckle samples resulted in a large number of persons serving sentences in terms of Schedule 8 offences once their sentences were served to be released without buckle samples having been taken from them. So when the transitional period of two years lapsed, it became necessary to amend the Act in order to again empower authorised members of the police service to take buckle samples from convicted Schedule 8 offenders serving sentences of imprisonment. So a huge obstacle, Chair, in, in this regard that was encountered by the police in taking these buckle samples um, was the refusal of such persons to have their buckle samples taken. This clearly is as a result of the fear that they could be linked to other unsolved cases where their DNA samples were not taken before. So, Chair, as you will note, the bill also proposes to address this obstacle. Slide five, please, Lizzie. Because so in terms of the processes, the notice was given in terms of the Rule 276, Sub 1, Sub B of the Rules of the National Assembly that the Minister of Police intends to introduce the Criminal Law Forensic Procedures Amendment Bill 2021 in the National Assembly. Uh, the necessary documents were published on, in the Gazette on the 10th of December 2021. So on the 20th of December, uh, Chair, uh, 2021, introduction and referral of the bill to this committee took place as well as the referral to the joint tagging mechanism for classifications in terms of joint rule 160. Then, Chair, in terms of the summary of the bill, then this bill consists of two clauses with a number of sub-clauses, and they relate largely to Section 7, Sub 7 of the Principal Act, which deals with the transitional arrangements. And so therefore a new section substitutes section seven, sub seven in the principal act. So clause one chair deals with the definitions and there's no new definitions to consider in this instance. So we move on to clause two, sub A of the bill. So this clause substitutes section seven, seven of the act uh, for the provision um, identical to the previous uh, uh, subsection seven with, but without the limitation to the period allowed to take buckle samples of persons convicted for Schedule 8 offences. 
It was proposed, Chair, to remove the two-year period from the section to avoid a reoccurrence for further amendments. On slide seven, then, um, the proposed subsection 7A provides for the taking of buckle samples from any person serving a sentence of imprisonment in respect of any offence listed under Schedule, 7, uh, uh, Schedule 8 of the Criminal Procedures Act. And Chair, this takes place in two instances. One, before the release of the person if the buckle sample had not already been taken upon his or her arrest. And number two, before the release of a person either on parole or under correctional service uh, supervision uh, by a court. And then the following two subsections, uh, uh, proposed subsections are new and they provide for mandatory reporting processes. So the first one then is a sub, a subsection 7B, which provides for the National Commissioner of Correctional Services to report the, the prescribed information of Schedule 8 offenders to the National Commissioner of SAPS um, at least three months before the planned release uh, date of such persons. And in addition, to report on the implementation of the requirements for taking of buckle samples from these convicted offenders on a quarterly basis. This subsection chair will strengthen the act by enforcing this provision uh, to ensure implementation is actually taking place and that it is also, it also enforces accountability. Then the proposed subsection 7C provides that the National Commissioner of SAPS must on a quarterly basis submit a report to the minister uh, on the progress made concerning the taking of buckle samples from convicted Schedule 8 offenders. This way, Chair, the Minister is also kept informed of the progress of the buckle sampling of convicted offenders, and like the above provision, it will also ensure accountability. So, Chair, the current Act provides the power for SAPs to take buckle samples of persons upon arrest in terms of Schedule 8 offenders, and as, as Section 36, capital D, sub 1, provides for the obligatory taking of buckle samples of all persons suspected of having committed Schedule 8 offences. However, Chair, this obligatory taking of buckle samples was not put into operation for reasons that the SAPs were unable to comply with it. So the obligatory taking of, of DNA samples from the 31st of January 2022 should lead to a situation where eventually it would become unnecessary to use Section 77 as buckle samples would have already been taken upon arrest of such persons. Slide nine, please, thank you. Then clause 2B of the bill proposes the insertion after Section 77 of the Act, the following subsections. Chair, the proposed subsection deals with the enforcement of taking of buckle samples. So Section 7, capital A, provides for the lodging of an application by the National Commissioner of SAPS um, to a judge or a magistrate for a warrant against a convicted Schedule 8 offender who refuses to submit to the taking of his or her buckle sample. And as previously mentioned here, one of the reasons for the delay in taking buckle samples was that some offenders simply refused to submit to the process. So now these provisions make it uh, mandatory. Then subsection 7, capital B, provides that in order to ensure the enforcement of an obligation for the taking of these samples, that an authorized person may, assisted by the correctional uh, officials, use 
minimum force against such a person who refuses to submit to the taking of a battle for So here, these provisions are within the constitutional bounds. And also, uh, Minister uh, requested that we, we uh, conduct a, a, a desktop research of other countries and uh, to see what happens in those countries. So what we did was we did a desktop uh, research, and that revealed that some countries such as Australia, the Netherlands, Japan, China, Germany, Kenya, Malaysia, also use minimum force where and when necessary to take buckle samples from, from uh, this type of, 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 of inmate. So if we can go to slide 10. So slide 10, subsection 7, capital C, requires a National Commissioner of, of SAPS in consultation with the National Commission of Correctional Services to issue and publish in the Gazette instructions which will indicate how the use of minimum force contemplated in the previous section will take place. So this will clearly explain, Chair, how the use of minimum force is to be administered in the event that such minimum force does become necessary. Then there's a subsection seven, capital D, which is aligned to the provisions of section 32 sub five and sub six of correctional services, Act 1998, and this relates to the use of force um, to apply uh, as provided for in the proposed subsection in 7B that I spoke about just now, uh, Jay. So this requirement is for a medical examination and the treatment of an inmate after the use of, of force and the reporting of such use of force to the inspecting judge uh, of any use of force. And that brings me to the conclusion, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chairperson. That's our presentation. Uh, thanks, thanks, thanks sir. I, I must indicate that uh, the minister is on the line with us now. But thanks. That is the presentation, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank you. Minister, do you have something to say? Uh, good morning, Tim uh, Chair. Uh, nothing uh, except that uh, the areas that were led by Deputy Minister uh, before I joined at nine, I, I would concur because the matter has been discussed and canvassed uh, by the by the Deputy Minister myself and the presenter. So uh, nothing new that I would add unless on the discussion there are things for to be further clarified. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Minister. Can we engage with the report? Uh, can I see hands? Sheikh Imam, Honorable Majosi. We'll start with Honorable Sheikh Imam, followed by Honorable Majosi. Followed by Honorable Whitfield. No, so to say, it's a legacy hand. Oh, it's a legacy hand. Can you drop it? So it will be Honorable Sheikh Imam, Honorable Whitfield, Honorable Terplange, Honorable Shembeni, Honorable Misha. In that order, please. Let's follow one another in that order. Honorable Sheikh Imam, you can start. 
Chairperson, I think it's an old hand. You never lowered it. Okay. Honorable Whitfield. Chairperson, thank you very much. Uh, Chair, this is a very good day for this committee. Um, this committee has relentlessly pursued this issue since 2019, and I'm, I'm sure the previous committee uh, before us. But the committee has to uh, take the opportunity to express our extreme dissatisfaction with the executive chair. There has been no good reason ever presented to this committee for the uh, inordinate delay in bringing this bill to parliament. It is not a controversial piece of legislation, and it is effectively an extension uh, of the existing act in order to ensure that justice is brought to bear uh, for the victims of the most heinous crimes in our country. When this bill was drafted uh, approximately five years ago, uh, and in the interim period since the transitional period expired in 2017, at least 100,000 convicted Schedule Eight offenders have been released on parole without their DNA being taken and uploaded onto the DNA database. I mean, that is a complete miscarriage of justice. So I'd like to thank the members of the committee for their incredible work, Chair, uh, in applying this pressure and civil society for threatening legal action to get this uh, bill to Parliament so that we can get going and make sure that we close all of the gaps that currently exist. Um, Chair, the, the ministers previously told Parliament that SAPS has continued taking buckle samples of Schedule 8 offenders since the expiry of the transitional provision. But it is not clear in which, uh, in terms of which legislation SAPS has been doing so. I think the committee needs to know which uh, piece of legislation has empowered SAPS to continue taking buckle samples for this purpose of convicted Schedule 8 offenders. I think it would just be interesting to know, uh, because if they have been doing that, in the absence of this legislation or any other empowering legislation, that would obviously be a concern. That would be the first question. Uh, and then for each year, I, I would be very interested to know for every year that uh, since the Act came into operation, operation, what the total number of Schedule 8 convicted offenders are for each year and how many were actually sampled. We need to know what the extent of the backlog of unsampled convicted Schedule 8 offenders is, because we, we know that the Forensics Division is facing enormous challenges, which they are slowly and steadily overcoming, which is positive. But the fact remains is that there is a backlog of existing and uh, DNA analysis of case exhibits. If we now introduce uh, an, an increase in the number of samples uh, required to be tested and added to the database, what are the implications for the forensics division? Uh, what is the total backlog of convicted Schedule 8 offenders that still need to be sampled? Because that will give us an idea of how long this project will actually take, because it's not clear whether SAPS is actually in a position to hit the ground running. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Honorable Ted Blanche, I thought you would just follow. Thank you, Chairperson. <clears throat> yes, I'll follow now. Chairperson, there was quite a delay to start doing this work and obviously caused, you know, serious, it had serious implications. And my question is, the executive authority should obviously indicate to us 
who is going to be held accountable and what consequence management will be done. Chairperson, my understanding is that the, the main cause of the delay in the amendment was the Minister of Police's aspiration to establish a national population DNA database. Now, I just want confirmation that that is the case and whether that is a real cause, uh, you know, obviously delaying this whole issue. Chairperson, and then obviously a very important question is, is the police now ready to start with the implementation of Section 2 of the DNA Act? Um, you know, we need, uh, the Honorable Whitfield mentioned, you know, that that is going to add to the current sort of numbers that they are getting on a daily basis. Chairperson, and then I have certain concerns. We do support this legislation, but I have a concern we have learned now, and I want clarity about that, that a person, the sample will be taken now in future during the arrest of a person. Now at that stage, the person is only a suspect. Now. I'm just checking whether that is, you know, the correct procedure to take that sample from a suspect only. It's not charged at the moment. And, you know, obviously the person is also not guilty of anything at that stage. That is my first concern. Secondly, uh, Chairperson, I am also concerned about the issue of the so-called minimum force. It is nowhere defined in legislation at the moment. And I don't know what exactly that is going to entail. And I'm just worried, Chairperson, and my question is, aren't there other avenues open to us to maybe tackle something like this in a more humane, civilized way? I am concerned that we are moving in the wrong direction again, Chairperson. Chairperson, thank you for now. Those are my questions. Okay. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I don't know whether I'm the next uh, speaker. Honorable Shembeini. Uh, Chairperson, thanks for the presentation. Now, what I would like to know is what are the consequence management measures that have been implemented against those detectives failing to take or to utilize and monitor the taking of buccal samples, as this was provided as a reason for the poor performance on the performance of target to take buccal samples of 60% of persons arrested on Schedule 8 offense. Secondly, uh, on the refusal of the taking of buccal samples by the uh, so-called uh, convicted uh, offenders. Now, the SAPS would indicate to us whether they anticipate a large portion of convicted Schedule 8 offenders to refuse to submit to a buccal sample being taken. What was the experience during the two-year transitional period? of 2015 and 2017. What number of convicted Schedule 8 offenders refused a buccal sample? Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. 
two short questions. The first one has to do with minimal force, as some of my colleagues have raised. Uh, the definition of minimal. Minimal is a broad term. How do we accurately define minimal? We have seen some police punching people or maybe even slapping. Now to slap a person is that minimal force. When a person refuses to cooperate um, and you are allowed to use minimal force, how do we define minimal and where are we going to draw the line? Um, we have seen police also kneeling on people, kneeing them while they are on the ground. So to take the samples and use minimal force because of the refusal of the suspect or convict, of convict um, the, cha the challenge is defining minimal because I think our understanding of minimal force would differ from one person to the other. So are there going to be um, details given of what one can do and one cannot do with the use of minimal force is my first question. And the second one has to do with taking samples, buccal samples from people who have not yet, who are not yet convicted. What would happen to those people if they are acquitted? Um, at what stage are those samples going to be destroyed and when, and how will we know that those samples have all been destroyed? Or are those samples going to be kept on file and hope that uh, the person from whom they, they were taken would commit a crime one day, we don't know. So the challenge would be to keep the Google samples of people who have been declared innocent. So when are they going to be destroyed? And at what stage will they be destroyed? Because one does not want to have uh, samples, DNA samples, Google samples kept even when you have not committed any crime or you have been found not guilty. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Honorables. I think for now, those are the questions. Uh, Honorable Minister. Uh, can you hear me, Chair? Yes, I can, Minister. Yes, good morning again, Chairperson. Uh, I don't know what's going on with uh, with the linkage today. Uh, the, the team will answer some questions. Chairperson, I, I want to go to the first question asked by Honorable Whitfield of us continuing, uh, continuing taking the buccal samples out of the out of the situation. Uh, I think even the presentation said that uh, those people went through without uh, taking it because there were two reasons. Uh, I know that the first reason was kicked by the by the portfolio committee uh, even before it started. I have said that. Uh, we wrote to the Department of Home Affairs uh, requesting that this should be generic, uh, Chairperson, 
and the South African uh, standards. As you would know, uh, that the fingerprints are taken. Uh, uh, Is that house? Hello? Chair? Continue, Minister. So that they are taken like, uh, like the, the fingerprints. Uh, that, that correspondence was given to the Home Affairs, uh, whom they said they were looking, looking at it. Uh, it has not been placed anywhere, has not been uh, developed by the, the, by the Home Affairs, which indeed the committee raised the issue uh, of, of, of that as a delay and it's going to be a very difficult process uh, to, to, to win in South Africa. The second one, Chair, even with the bill, many people could not be taken, those scheduled eight people, because the bill uh, did not have the enforcement uh, element within, within it. So if you say no, it would be just no. Uh, if you, you hide and you are called and you don't avail yourself, that will be so. Maybe that leads uh, to the, that leads to the uh, next question of the, of the minimal uh, force that will be, will be taken. Uh, both Honorable Terry Blatch and Honorable Mfundis, um, they put this element of civilization and the time where we are indeed. Uh, it would be very good uh, if we work that way and everybody and everybody uh, just comply and we get this pakal and we, we go on with life. Uh, the team will be trained uh, to do that. And uh, I, 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 I guess we, we will have to establish maybe, uh, remember there is a judge that deals with the that deals with the issues of the inmates. Uh, maybe establish what would be allowed as a minimum force. But the issue here is that at the end of the day, the sample must be taken, uh, and do that in between of the civilization, in between of the human uh, nature uh, that people are still. Uh, have human rights even when they're inmates, but also uh, the system will have to give us those, those results uh, going forward. I think that that can be found uh, in between. Uh, if it needs to be, the judge will have to be brought in on that. That is responsible for the, the inmates matters and we agree how we, 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 do, with, we, we do with that. Jefferson, again, Honorable uh, Member Whitfield raises the issue of capacity. Uh, I, I want to believe that uh, we, we are really beginning to do well, Honorable Members, on this one. The, the laboratories, especially both Cape Town and Pretoria, have been really capacitated. Uh, we have gone out uh, on our members, we have invited back the people that were there intent that were in the system. Uh, we, we 
for instance, the Western Cape have managed to get about 20 or 19 out of 24. We have managed to, to hunt them and bring them, bring them back to the system. Unfortunately, some have found the jobs, uh, permanent jobs, and they can't come back. Uh, all 16 contracts that for some reason have not been signed, uh, those have been, have been signed now, and uh, the maintenance is, is all there. Uh, sure, uh, the members that have visited the laboratory uh, before they would found that all machines have uh, some red stems that is out of order. All that, all that has, been, has been fixed. Uh, the question of extra hours has been fixed. The money for, for, for the, the money for double shift uh, has, been, has been found. Uh, the money was there, uh, is still there. We are able to find the money for overtime so that uh, we have 16, uh, 16, day, 16 hour day rather than uh, the eight hour day. We wanted to have a 24 hour day. We were told that machine can take the stress of 24, of 24 hours, so they need to rest. Uh, but uh, we, we, we are really, really pushing. Uh, if, as we have eaten, uh, Mr. Whitefield, President, uh, gave the correct number, but as you would uh, argue, in your, argue in your debate, that gave the number of the ring fence uh, backlog, which has moved from 188,000 to 57, 58,000. We're really moving there. Even the one that you said was 210, we have moved to that one, we're around 159,000. We have separated uh, our, our, our teams. We have found uh, the narrative that said we have uh, the, sprinter, uh, the, the sprinter samples and, the, and the, the marathon samples, those that they take several several stages to, to be finalized. Uh, they have been ring-fenced and those that they take one, once off have been finalized and the teams have been divided as such. We believe that we are moving on the right direction. That will be your Pretoria and your, 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 your Cape Town. Uh, we have been in Deben last week with the Deputy Minister, very unsatisfactory uh, issues in that laboratory to such an extent that the workers, some of them there, will be moved to cap further capacitate Cape Town because the issues of, uh, the issues of uh, Amanzindoti, uh, that place has been flooded, we're trying to move, and uh, the place has been found that we have a serious problem working with the public works on those, on those things. Uh, the Eastern Cape, uh, the construction has been started, everything, we expect that in a, 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 a two years to three years, everything will be finalized and the capacity will be, will be full there. That is medium and long term. So we believe that at, at, in the not distant future, every, uh, every pressure will be able uh, to carry it before. We want to increase even the capacity. We are trying to uh, recruit more than 100 uh, new BSCs intakes uh, so that they are forever capacitated in personnel and machines and we never go back where we come from. 
So we believe that even with those backlogs uh, uh, of those uh, that will be taken from Schedule 8, and even that uh, load that will be taken, will be able to carry it uh, going forward. Chairperson, uh, I will then request that the team led by the Deputy Minister will answer uh, other questions. Thanks. Yeah, no, no, thanks. Thanks very much, uh, Minister, uh, for the, those responses, which covered uh, most of the issues. And I fully concur with uh, what, what you have said uh, through your chair. I must also indicate that uh, the narrative that suggests that we are bringing this amendment here because of uh, we were taken to court is not correct. We do acknowledge that we should this matter should have been processed uh, earlier, and it it hasn't. Uh, that we acknowledge that uh, we we should have. Uh, we know it should have been done yesterday, and we, we share the concerns that uh, members are, are, are raising. Uh, but we had to take a decision uh, to proceed to come to, to the committee because we felt the other processes is going to delay if we are going to have one act that deals with the entire citizens. Uh, we felt we should bring this in here, and we are happy that generally... Uh, members of the committee are happy that at last the bill is before the committee so that the amendment is effected and the job uh, 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 get done. But I just thought uh, I I should clear that part that it it is not because of uh, any court case that uh, have made us to come here. We took the decision uh, to be led by the minister that this matter must be concluded. And we, we did exactly that. Uh, but of course, we do take note that uh, uh, this matter should have been uh, resolved some times back. Uh, I don't have much because the minister have adequately uh, responded to the issues. I may just, uh, through you, allow Advocate uh, uh, Don Bell to make comments on areas that might not have been uh, uh, further elaborated in the comments that uh, the minister and myself made, if you may allow uh, uh, Chairperson. Advocate Bell. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I've been asked to respond to, uh, to the issues. Uh, firstly, uh, the concern about uh, the taking of, of buckle samples of persons who have not been convicted. Of course, that is already covered in terms of Section 36D1 and 36D2, which are both in operation now and which allows for uh, the taking of buckle samples of a person uh, upon arrest. The only change is now that from the 31st of January, uh, it is obligatory for the SAPs to take the DNA samples of all suspects and uh, not just some of them. Uh, Chairperson, uh, the issue of minimum force has been raised uh, by quite a number of honourable members. I can just mention this is actually a duplication in the sense that already in the South African Police Service Act, uh, police members in terms of that act is expected uh, to use minimum force in whatever actions uh, they are taking. 
So uh, it is very difficult in legislation to uh, to really define an issue such as minimum force. Uh, it is very much the same as with private defense. It relates to the circumstances under which things take place. And uh, it is for a court then to decide whether excessive uh, force had been used. Uh, we can also look at the taking of fingerprints, uh, the taking of blood samples. Uh, there are also opposition to that uh, by people sometimes. And uh, that has to be overcome because a person can't... Uh, flaunt the whole system of criminal justice because of his refusal to subject him uh, to these type of, uh, of actions. Uh, when it comes to minimum force, uh, there's also a provision in the bill that the National Commissioner can actually uh, make a national instruction uh, to specify how a minimum force should be applied. And I can imagine that in terms of the taking of a buckle sample, uh, that should not be that intricate. Uh, if a person uh, uh, is, uh, is just contained and uh, it's just taking the sample uh, on the inside of his mouth, uh, it's actually less invasive than uh, taking a blood sample. Of course, you can also get a situation where a person who's arrested, uh, arrested and his buckle sample is taken that that person can also refuse. But in terms of the Criminal Procedure Act, uh, you are also allowed to take a blood sample and the DNA sample can also be derived from a, a blood sample. So in that regard, uh, already uh, that, could, that can be done in respect of persons being, uh, being arrested. But of course, with, uh, with the number of, of uh, convicted persons, etc., to uh, take blood samples of, of everyone who refuses to do it uh, would really be uh, very difficult. Uh, so, Chair, I think... Uh, uh, most of the concerns uh, that have been raised are actually addressed in, in the Act, and uh, it is possible in terms of reporting and those issues that they can be supplements to the to the bill as it is at the moment. Uh, but I trust that the uh, the questions have been uh, replied. Uh, there are, of course, other uh, questions relating to numbers, etc., which uh, I suppose the police service itself uh, will reply to. Thank you, Chair. Chair? Yes. Are you okay, Minister? Yes, yes, Chair. All right. I see the hand of Honorable Shembeni and Honorable Majosi. And Honorable Whitfield. Honorable Shembeni, is it a legacy hand? Chairperson. Yes, Chairperson. I've not had any answer on the consequence management measures that are being taken against uh, those detectives failing to take or utilize the buccal samples. Thank you. Honorable Majosi. No, thank you, Chair. Um, my, my concern maybe and question also would be uh, on on section 4.4 related to costing uh, uh, costing states as, as it is estimated that the total for the implementation of the criminal law um, forensic procedures bill uh, uh, once enacted will be about 78.4 million 
is this an annual cost or a once-off cost? Uh, I just wanted to check on that uh, so that I would know whether uh, we'll be budgeting this money annually or is it something that will happen just once-off? Thank you, Chair. Uh, Chair, the, the question on the uh, total number of unsampled uh, convicted Schedule 8 offenders. So, so effectively, what is the backlog of unsampled or Schedule 8 offenders who have not had their DNA taken so that we know, um, you know that this is the starting point, uh, this is the total number of convicted Schedule 8 offenders which still need to be uh, sampled so that they can be added to the database. This is absolutely important for our oversight role. And I think that there's probably someone from the South African Police Service that should be answering that question. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Dr. Blanche, followed by Honorable Mishwe. Chairperson, thank you. I heard the response from... Um, Advocate Jacobs, I'm just wondering, Chairperson, what the reaction was on this issue of minimum force during the public participation stage, because I am still concerned about this. We, from where we are coming, Chairperson, the word force by the police, where we are dealing already with uh, a police service that is not very well behaved always. I think that is a dangerous principle. And I was just wondering what the uh, public's response was. Thank you. Uh, Chairperson, since um, DNA samples are going to be taken from all suspects, my question was, Will those samples be kept on the database, even though the suspect has been acquitted? Or what is going to happen to them? Um, and if they are going to be kept on the database, would it be because the suspect is expected to commit another crime? Or what would be the reason to keep it when the suspect has been acquitted? Thank you, sir. Sorry for that. Mr. Minister. Thanks, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, on Honorable Mr. Minister, uh, Honorable Member Shendedi, uh, the, the, the consequent management will be, have to be found from the management of the South African police. Uh, how far have they gone with that? I can uh, really take and make an undertaking that that question will be banned and they find out from the police management if and when they've done that and he'll get his, uh, his response. Uh, when it comes to 
the number again with the Honorable Mr. Uh, Honorable Member Whitefield. Uh, I, I think it was raised, I think, by the Deputy Minister that the number would be not on hand. Uh, and as you have said, Honorable Member Whitefield, that the South African police, I guess, together with the, with the correctional service uh, officials, especially those that they are at the end of the system, the par those responsible for parole and release, uh, we can get that number. Uh, I don't think we have the number at hand as we speak. Uh, so it will be uh, not a very correct number to, 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 to get, but that number could be found and be supplied uh, to, to yourself. So that I agree with you, we are able to monitor how much has been eaten uh, out, of, of, out of that uh, number. Uh, again, on the question of the minimum force, I will call on uh, uh, Dr. Jacobs, uh, but as we speak, uh, the law allows, that is, is your question and the Honorable Terry Plager, the law allows that the minimum force uh, is is used by the South African uh, police as 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 we speak. Uh, the you you don't know how much resistance that you found, especially when they're on the roadblocks and people have taken some stuff that goes in their hand, uh, telling telling the police to go to hell and all those kind of things. Uh, but, but police, uh, they they they'll have to. They are measured, uh, allowed by the law to continue to do their work. Just imagine what it would happen if every uh, person, every offender says, I'm not going to get arrested and you simply say, go home because you don't want to be arrested when you have really co uh, uh, committed crime. Uh, so just imagine what, what would happen. I think it would be measured, people would be trained, but I've made the point that on this one, we have an oversight of a judge that uh, can uh, be part of the process if it needs, if it needs be. But uh, Jacobs can continue on that and continue, I think, uh, on, on, the, on the cost uh, going forward. Thanks, Chair. <laughs> Thank you, Chair. Chair, I can just mention, uh, in addition to the issue of, of minimum force, that I think we must specifically look at, at this instance, at the use of minimum force, force in attaining the objective that we want to obtain in terms of this act. And that is to get a buckle sample from a person. You know, it's not a, a case of a person who's, uh, uh, who is threatening your life, etc., etc. It's just a matter of subjecting the person to such a degree that the buckle sample can actually uh, be taken. And we know that uh, there are a lot of mechanisms in law, and that is in every country so, that in order to enforce the law, you have to do certain things. And whenever the police is using excessive force, it's like with self-defense. If you use excessive force, you are, uh, uh, in terms of the civil law, you are liable for the actions that you have taken. And we know there's quite a huge number of civil litigation uh, against the SAPs 
but that is the uh, the mechanism that's in the legal system for the use of of excessive force. And as I've said, I think within the context of this act, uh, it can be quite well defined in terms of the national instruction on 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 the issue of minimum force on the taking of buckle samples of arrested persons. Of course, that is limited in the sense that it may only be taken uh, from people who are arrested or suspects in Schedule 8 offences. And, uh, Chair, I think uh, the Honourable Meshwe will remember when we dealt with this Act, that Schedule 8 was specifically uh, drafted with a view of the type of cases where DNA can play a role. Uh, housebreakings, uh, murder, uh, rape, etc. So uh, the taking of buckle samples uh, is limited to those offences only. Uh, then also a question from the Honourable Meshwe is the issue of uh, persons who are found not guilty after their buckle samples have been taken. And that was dealt with in the uh, initial act uh, that uh, was uh, adopted by Parliament. Uh, once uh, there's a, a time period laid down for the head of the forensic laboratory for the destruction, once he's being informed that uh, a person has been found not guilty, and those buckle samples uh, must be uh, destroyed. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, regarding the uh, the cost, etc., uh, I'm not in a position. I am quite sure that someone from the forensic laboratory, from from the SAPS, uh, might be able to answer the question on on the costs for the implementation. Uh, thank you, <coughs> Chair. Yes. DM? No, th thanks very much. Uh, I, I take note of what the minister has said with regards to issues that uh, will need subs. But I was just saying because they are also connected uh, on, the, on the platform, though they came here prepared for a different presentation. But if they are able to shed light on some of the issues that were raised, we 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 should allow them to 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 do so, but also to commit that uh, uh, the reports, as the minister suggested, will will be brought to the committee in areas where they don't have specific uh, 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 cases. And if you allow, they are led here by the deputy national commissioner, uh, Lieutenant General Boma. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you, Thank you before, Maybe before I give to General Uma, Honorable Linda Moss, did you want to say something? Yeah, Chairperson. <coughs> Thank you very much. Mine is also, while we're dealing with the DNA bill, I want to, to inform the, the committee about a terrible thing was happening the week before last week in uh, the Western Cape in Claver. And I, I observed that everyone, maybe they, you see it on TV. I'm visiting the area um, last weekend, Monday. I visiting the Claver police station. While I arrived there, the road was being blocked. So I take the back road from Fredendal. And uh, when I arrived there, I saw the community is marching in and picketing and so forth and so forth. 
So I enter the police station, I show my card, and they open for me the gate, and I go in. And then I met the police station captain, and he briefed me about the matter, about the case. A 13-year child has been murdered, and it's been cut, and whatever, he interrogated the suspect. The suspect didn't apply for bail, refused to apply for bail. But what I want to bring under the attention is while the minister and deputy minister and the, and the deputy commissioner is also in this meeting, that they, they must really giving resources to that police station. That police station is under resource, under resource. And also the issue of the DMA, they getting people from Cape Town to do the DMA. But what I want to ask in begging, that they make that case a priority on the issue of the DNA test. They mustn't be one of those who are still waiting for the DNA test. They must make that case. That case must be a priority on the DNA test. I'm begging today of the 16th of February that we really be up ahead on that matter so that that community can become calm and also that the family the mother and the father can really get injustice for the children or for the child. And I think they, the, 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 the child, the child, the innocent child must be really, that case must be really get a priority on the issue of the DNA test. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can I give okay. you two now? Chair, on this question of honourable uh, most uh, before maybe the Deputy National Commissioner Buma comes in, uh, we, we, we are working with the prosecution. There is some prioritisation uh, as we are trying to push everything, but there are prioritisation. I'm sure the police and the, the prosecution working together on that one. Uh, the prioritization would be made as there are some of those cases. And I wanted to assure the, the, the honorable member that we'll, we'll pursue that. Thanks. Thank you, Chair. Continue. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Members, uh, um, Minister of Police and the Deputy Minister of Police and all colleagues in the meeting. Uh, I must uh, emphasize that yes, there is going to be a national instruction that is already started uh, from our legal services. They're working hand in glove with the civilian secretariat which we shall articulate the step-by-step that needs to be followed by members of the South African Police Service as and when they implement the, the, the bill. Uh, in regard to the consequence management, as we are all aware that consequence management is a line function responsibility, though we have the, uh, the, the general medicine who is working under detective services, but I'm sure he might not have full details in regard to specific cases that are being referred in this meeting. I just want to say that we will compile a report and we'll submit it with the specifics in regard to how far we have gone 
in taking consequence management against those who might have refused to take the backer samples. The cost for the implementation also, we have a member, a general from the uh, forensic services, but I think we will be able to provide the detail in a form of a report regarding the, the cost for the implementation of the bill. The information by um, Honorable Member Linda Moss regarding this specific matter, we will obtain the necessary details and make sure that we address what has been requested. However, uh, our minister and the deputy minister have responded to most of the questions. Thank you very much, Chairperson. All right. There is a question about public participation. From Honorable Terplanche, can you respond to that? Chairperson, uh, if I if I may respond to that, uh, I'm not quite sure about the questions as it relates to the the, the uh, blue teams and things that took place or on the bill. I can just say the bill, as a result of the fact that we uh, regard it as as extremely urgent uh, at this stage, uh, was not published in the Gazette. Uh, as we can bring it directly to Parliament uh, and uh, in view of the uh, uh, involvement of, of the public as well and the fact that the Portfolio Committee uh, also published the bill for comments. Uh, we can't respond to public uh, comments on, on, on the use of force uh, issue. Of course, I, I think that uh, most people that will respond on that might be people who are inmates in, in prison. Uh, who might not like that uh, idea to be to be uh, in the in the bill, uh, but chair, uh, if it relates to the issue about uh, the response of the public uh, in reaction to the uh, to the uh, issues that took place during the looting, etc., I really think there are investigations and things ongoing in that regard, and, and I don't think I'm I'm able to respond to that. Thank. You. Uh, Chair. Hi, Minister. Yes, Minister, uh, continue. Well, on the question of the public, you would remember that uh, uh, that would be more legislation dealing with it. But uh, at the cabinet level, this, uh, this uh, matter of, of, of the force or minimum force was discussed. Uh, I remember that a most, uh, most concerned person on it was, was president. Uh, and uh, he, he did uh, emphasize the point in the cabinet as a whole emphasized the point that uh, uh, the, this measurement of, of, of minimum will have to be found and be measurable. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just not a, a question that would worry uh, on, the, on the Honorable Mr. Terry Blanche, but where these matters have been discussed, they've been an issue, we are very much aware of it. And uh, we, 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 this suggestion of, of working even with the judge, uh, it's, 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 part of, it's part of it. So what we, well, what we can say is that indeed, uh, we, we, can, we can't go outside the law in using that uh, minimum, including those that will be trained, it will be important. But the bottom line 
is that the work will still have to be done with the extra care uh, that uh, we don't go beyond the law and we use the extra law. Uh, just maybe uh, keep understanding that people are human rights, even those, by the way, that have violated uh, other people's human rights, they still do have human rights. We will be looking uh, after their human rights, even when they have failed to look on other people's human rights. Thanks, Chair. Thanks very much. I think, colleagues, we are done on this item. Um, if there's a need to follow up on certain things, let's do so. Like the DM has said, where questions need further research of more information, and the officials are not ready with that information now, they will submit that in the subsequent meetings or in writing via the chairperson of the, of the committee. Do you allow me to step out of this item and go to the next item? I think we're fine yeah, with this item. Yes, sir. Thank you. Before we go to the next item, just to inform the committee that uh, I got the information that the chairperson is hospitalized. Um, that's why we couldn't get hold of her. Uh, I got a call that she's hospitalized. I think further details will be forthcoming. Uh, we just want to wish her a speedy uh, recovery. What's the next item, Babalon? Babalo, next item. The last item is consideration of understanding by SAPS. Okay. Honorable Minister, can you lead us on this one? Honorable Minister. I'm here, Chair. Yes, we're now on, on the item on underspending. Chair, the question of underspending is uh, <clears throat> overall a very concerning issue on the Ministry of Police and I guess the community at large and I guess with the management of the South African police themselves. Uh, I, I, I will allow and request the Deputy National Commissioner Vuma. I'm sure he will, she will deal with the, the CFO or whoever represent to make the presentation. It's the, it's, there are figures that don't look very well. When you are so much under-budgeted, as the honorable members will know, what has happened to the budget of the South African police. Uh, is really highly unacceptable that even that uh, budget that is 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 under budgeted uh, is also underutilized uh, by the 
by the members uh, or by the South African Police Service, especially on the very sensitive areas like your like your public policing, like your detectives, like your intelligence. Uh, maybe uh, through chair, you can allow to see the figures and the police explain, and then you'll be taken on the deliberation thereafter. That's, that's what I want to say as an opening statement, Chair. Okay, Lieutenant General. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Um, of course, the minister is correct to say that this is quite a concerning uh, issue that uh, we are experiencing to some of the extent, some under-expenditures, if I may, in advance, amongst others, is due to the fact that we are really experiencing some dependencies in some of our expenditures, such as in the environment of facility management, uh, IT space, we equally had some challenges with regards to machinery and equipment where we have placed some orders with uh, the vehicle manufacturers, but they had to cancel them because the entire industry had a challenge in regard to some uh, chip that was not available in the world that needed to, to be used for the manufacturing of the vehicles. However, we have been able to be assisted by uh, looking at other manufacturers who promise that before the end of the financial year, they will be in a position to assist. Is over two billion that was uh, earmarked for the purchase of the vehicles. Uh, without me alluding to the presentation, the CFO will take us through the presentation and then we'll be able to see those uh, uh, visibilities in the presentation. However, we are making strides towards ensuring that we put other measures in place to circumvent the, the, the challenges that we are being, is being experienced with regard to the under-expenditure. Uh, if you allow me with your permission, General Dimbane, our CFO, will take us through the presentation. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Good morning to the Chairperson, honorable members of the committee, to the Minister, Deputy Minister, all the DMCs and uh, my colleagues in the platform. Chair, we will be taking you through this presentation. It will cover uh, status as at the 31st of January. If we go to the next slide, uh, we will be taking the committee through in terms of the total budget versus expenditure program, the item as well as at economic level. We have also highlighted the reasons for low spending or underspending as well as the actions that we have put in place as management to ensure that we mitigate this challenge. Chair, in terms of expenditure analysis, we indicating that past expenditure for multiple years are utilized to perform an expenditure analysis and to project anticipated baseline expenditure in the financial year. Although indicative of nature, the expenditures of each quarter in a financial year will not be precisely equal. And this is caused by reasons such as delivery of vehicles, delivery of other equipment, invoices from the PW, payment of salary increases and pay progression, et cetera, that each has its own unequal spending pattern. 
in the next slide, Chair, this is expenditure analysis. This is a comparison of monthly spending with previous financial year. This is just to give a view in terms of um, uh, comparisons per, per month and for the committee to also see this particular spending pattern. Uh, Chair, in the next slide, uh, presenting total budget versus expenditure per program, you will see that at the end of January, uh, there were two programs that were still below the 80% mark. That will be a program one, it was performing at 74.6%, program two performing at 81.8%, with program three uh, performing at 78.5% and program four, crime intelligence, performing over 8% at 81.8% and program five performing at 81.3%. The total performance for the vote out of a 100.473 billion that has been allocated as at end of January, we had spent 80 billion in this regard, which is 79.7%. Uh, I must just indicate, uh, Honorable Chairperson, that we are monitoring this on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, up to Monday, all these programs are performing above 80%. Chair, on the next slide, total budget versus expenditure. This is just an explanation per program. Program one, administration, goods and services expenditure were low as at end of January. It was lower than anticipated. And the impact there is TMS service level agreements as well as projects and capital works building projects and other capital procurements that still need to realize. In terms of program two, visible policing, we had capital procurement, mostly vehicles, that still needs to be delivered and paid. Expenditure of unrest project that took place in uh, July and August was also incurred under this program. Program three, detective services is mainly affected by the integrated criminal justice strategy where spending was low. Some other goods and services expenditure are also lower than anticipated, and also vehicles still need to be delivered and paid under program three. Program four and five were fairly on track with spending by both programs as compensation services is a major cost driver. Also for these two programs, vehicles still need to be delivered and paid. When we go to total budget versus expenditure per line item, chair, here we are just indicating compensation of employees. Uh, there are no issues there. It was fairly on track with 82.8% performance. The challenge being, as alluded earlier by the Deputy National Commissioner, that we are having challenges within your buildings. Uh, this is within your supply chain or infrastructure environment where we are experiencing challenges that we will allude to in the upcoming slides. In the next slide, compensation of employees, as I indicated, uh, spending was at 82.8 of allocated budget and it's marginally lower than anticipated. We still had at the time various HR priorities that needed to be processed at different intervals. Spending on goods and services comprised of 75.2 at that time. Uh, we are having challenges on the integrated criminal justice strategy where spending was low and the realization of various earmarked funding, uh, which must still gather momentum. That is your TMS service level agreements with CETA and TMS projects as well as provincial additions or additional allocation that were given to provinces. Uh, chair, transfers and subsidies, vehicle licenses, renewal payments were a little bit lower than anticipated, but some renewal periods are closer to the end of the financial year. 
resulting from delivery of schedules of uh, previous years. As uh, so CETA payments were on track, and we also had an increased expenditure on exit payments. Uh, payment of capital assets, as we indicated, that's where the department is experiencing challenges. It was performing at 36.2% of the allocated budget. Chair, I will take the committee through the reasons for this low underspending, this low spending or underspending. In terms of vehicles, Chair, we experienced a shortage of vehicles that was um, from the OEMs or original equipment manufacturers that are participating on the RT57 contract. We experienced low delivery by these manufacturers who are citing shortage of materials and parts as part of the reasons for delays in the manufacturing process. Some manufacturers had partially canceled vehicle orders uh, anticipated to be delivered at the end of the financial year. We have highlighted those manufacturers chair on the presentation and uh, vehicle orders that were canceled by the manufacturers were subsequently successfully replaced by other orders placed with other manufacturers. And those uh, manufacturers who then replaced um, the others were, gave us confirmation that delivery will take place before the end of March. The division supply chain is currently finalizing orders to ensure that the total budget for vehicles is utilized before the end of March. So we, the problem was picked up here and uh, the department put systems in place or measures in place to mitigate this particular challenge. A chair, buildings and infrastructure, these are the projects that are uh, dealt with uh, with DPW. We had various reasons. There were delays in the appointment of consultants for projects. Other reasons such as delayed in sketch plans, approvals were external chair. As it continues on the next slides, in other projects, Chair, we had community disruptions as a result of uh, communities demanding 30% subcontracting and technical delays from re uh, redesigns due to previously unknown site conditions. Uh, there are regular meetings that are taking place between SUPS as well as the PWU for intervention considerations and progress on projects. Uh, Chair, there are other projects that the department is handling on their own. Um, we had challenges there as well, where local authorities working on rotation, causing a backlog on planning application. This created delays on council resolutions for rezoning. We also experienced legal implications on the previous terms of references, which resulted in a need to review the terms of reference prior to the appointment of consultants. Other challenges included withdrawal of electrical and mechanical engineers, procurement of services regarding civil structural engineers for planning and design took eight months to complete uh, chair. Um, as we continue chair on the next slide in terms of reasons, uh, there is other network fixed infrastructure. This is within our IT space. We had a rollover budget approved by National Treasury, which uh, had a limited spending at the end of January with uh, some expenditure anticipated to be spent by 15th March. Substantial amount, um, remaining amount is at risk of not being spent as subs is dependent on CETA to finalize the appointment of the equipment procurement tender for outstanding equipment or appointment of a service provider to implement at the site. We also experienced challenges on the ICJS um, allocation that we have received. This is earmarked funding. We are having SLA commitments of which less than 50% was spent as at end of January, but it is anticipated to be spent in full 
as outstanding invoices were received in December, January, and February invoices should still be received and paid. It is projected some, that some ICJS allocated funding within the IT environment is at risk of not being spent. Uh, procurement processes should still be completed by CITA for the numerous infrastructure upgrade, procurement of equipment, and appointment of service contract in this regard. The chair, we have been monitoring on a weekly basis. We are monitoring and have put uh, systems in place to mitigate and to ensure that we ensure full utilization. To this end, chair, as I indicated, the replacement vehicle orders were placed with other manufacturers after orders were canceled by some manufacturers that experienced the delay in the manufacturing process that resulted in um, available vehicle strategies. Alternative initiatives and procurement embarked upon in the technology uh, environment space. We are also having regular monitoring, evaluation and timeless interventions to ensure realization of services within an acceptable time frame. Continuous engagement and escalation of challenges brought about by third party. Uh, this was alluded to uh, the third party dependencies we uh, uh, escalate so that there could be intervention at relevant uh, level. Internal control measures have been put in place to ensure that spending on building project is accelerated and to reduce um, understanding. That includes invoices for work completed are regularly followed up to ensure payments are made. Payment certificates will be received before the end of March 2022 for targeted capital works projects on the contract of police stations. Chair, the installation of generators uh, contracts were awarded during October 2021. And we also had additional measures uh, that we had initiated to ensure that the allocation for the new financial aid is spent in accordance with the allocation as additional pers personnel has been recruited to improve capacity. This is within the infrastructure uh, environments, Chairperson. The project-based budget information has already been submitted to National Treasury and the engagement relating to the project monitoring system to be implemented is in progress. The project monitoring committee between SUBS and National Department of Public Works and Infrastructure will also be activated to continuously evaluate and monitor the project on uh, the progress on projects. A contingency plan has been put in place to redirect savings um, emanating from projects that are experiencing problems. So those are some of the mitigating actions that we have put in place to ensure that we do not encounter problems. Chair, thank you very much. That will be the end of the presentation. Thanks very much, CFO. Are there additions to the presentation? Before I give honorable members, any addition? Uh, there are no additions, honorable chair. Safe to say that when we look at our projections, the over expenditure, as the CFO alluded to, the fact that we are redirecting some of the money that we realize, which is not earmarked can be shifted to fund other priorities that were not initially funded. We are working on that on a weekly basis. We are sitting together while she is monitoring on a, a daily basis. Together, every Monday, we sit together and look how far we are going. So we are projecting that we will be able to really, uh, if things go as planned, maybe we will be underspending by less than a billion. Thank you very much, Chairperson. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Lieutenant General. You are saying maybe. You are not giving us an assurance. Okay. Honorable Whitfield, followed by Honorable Ted Blanche. I see only those two hands for now. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Honorable Whitfield. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, Chair, the questions that I have, the, the first question is related to the comparative analysis in, uh, I don't recall the slide, but the color-coded comparative analysis of under-expenditure uh, for each month over the last, I think, four or five years. If we look at July and August 2021, you can see that um, the 2021 uh, 2022 financial year compared to other years has underspent more than in preceding years. So if you if you look at July, it was 29.8%. If you look at August, uh, it was 37.6%. Now, we know that um, those months were incredibly difficult months for our country. Uh, these were the months when the violent unrest took place in South Africa. Uh, and then obviously we would have anticipated increased expenditure to contain any unrest, uh, any emergency procurement or any issues of that nature. It's, it just seems a bit strange that we would under underspend in those months. And is there any reason uh, why we would not spend more money uh, given a um, an emergency that we faced uh, in this country, such as the unrest in July? Um, that's the one question, Chair. And then in terms of the ICJS funding, uh, can we just get some clarity um, on the impact on specific outcomes? So, I mean, I understand that, you know, it's an issue of procurement or whatever with IT systems or issues with CETA or whatever the case may be, but what are the actual tangible SAPS outcomes that are going to be affected? Which specific divisions are likely to be affected in terms of that underspending? And then if we could get an indication of SAPS's uh, percentage compliance with the 30-day payment of suppliers, uh, you know, are, are we on track? Are we spending, you know, is it 100% of suppliers paid within 30 days, 80%? Are we on 70%? Uh, that would just give us an indication of the actual uh, ability to mar manage sort of current accounts. Thank you very much. Chairperson, do you want me to follow? Yes, please. Chairperson, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, the police uh, had a very good track record for spending their budget, but we had an under-expenditure last year, and I think that we are heading for under-expenditure once again. And uh, my concern is that there is a threat of fiscal dumping because, you know, the, the financial year is just about gone. Chairperson, then, I also noticed that the police didn't spend anything. You know, there was a 7.3 million rand allocated to, 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 to get some dogs for their K9 unit. And... Uh, uh, not a cent of that amount was spent. And obviously that impacts on crime prevention. Um, so that is rather uh, concerning chairperson. Chairperson, and then 
coming to capital assets, I see that the police, you know, they started with some police stations in 2014. Now, this is eight years now. And I just want to know, you know, apparently, um, are they really going to be able to complete those police stations after eight years now? Uh, going forward on that, you know, apparently there's a serious problem with the Department of Public Works. And my question is, what do the minister intend doing about that? I would think that it will be maybe worthwhile for the minister to engage his colleague at Public Works and see whether a solution can possibly be found. Um, uh, maybe they can just, you know, tell us about what is happening in that environment. Chairperson, and then the vehicles, I fully understand what happened there. But my question is that, okay, they placed orders now with other manufacturers. My question is, is it local manufacturers or are they now in fact fully bolt up vehicles imported from somewhere else? Because obviously it's got a impact on job creation in our own country. And that is why I want to get that information. Chairperson, there are such a lot of issues, you know, um, and it must also be remembered that the police were not able or was not able to or were not able to spend their allocation in the previous financial year. And yet we are, you know, we are saying that we don't have, you know, sufficient budget. Obviously, that's not the case, Chairperson. Thank you. Uh, my questions for now. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Uh, I've got a few questions. The matter, Honorable Blanche tried to cover me on some of the questions, but the state and capacity of the K9 document uh, should be explained by the SAPS, since he did mention that. Uh, according to the budget, nothing has been done since uh, the end of January 2022. None of the available funds were spent on the procurement of jobs. And looking at the issue of uh, borders, roadblocks, and anyway, we don't see any dogs anymore. I think there is, it's a very big concern uh, because drugs like uh, Dacha and some other things are being transported every day. So in our borders, we don't see dogs and on our roadblocks. I don't know what is happening. I need an explanation on that one. Number two, why payments of overtime accumulated during uh, December 2021 on the local government elections were not paid. Because here it shows that until December 2021, uh, these payments have not yet been made. 
of the local government elections of November 2021. Secondly, why is the transfer of a 1 million rand to the educational trust to provide buzzers to children of SAPS members who died uh, on duty? was not paid by the end of January, 2022. And then when will the funds be transferred? Can the SPS provide us then with the details of the administration of the trust in terms of the number of uh, the, the so-called the, the buzzers? that given to or given and associated issues. I think these are the few three questions that I would like clarity on. The one with the transfer of the 1 million rent to the educational trust, and then the issue of the payments of overtime accumulated during the 2021 local government elections where they were delayed. And by the end of December, 2021, these payments have not yet been made. Can I get a clarity on these three issues? And then on the issue of CAS, the allocation of CAS chairperson, I think there is a big problem because I've noticed that in the rural areas, the cars that are supposed to be allocated to these stations are not allocated. Instead, you'll find that those cars are allocated in towns like land cruisers. Uh, for instance, I'll give an example. These cars like land cruisers needs to be allocated to these mountainous areas and these rural areas, but they are not there. You will find them in town and normally in specialized unit whereby those cars are being owned by members as 108. They, 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 they belong to them. You won't get that directly. I don't want to mention the races, but what I've noticed is that those cars belong to certain individuals, not to the state. They are 108s. That means now uh, they cannot be utilized by other members. It's only that member. Then it's his or her family car. That's where we're experiencing a problem. I think the SAPS should look into that. We've noticed this thing happening in Mangozi. I've seen they were chasing cars. They were having land cruisers there because they were chasing those cars or those stolen vehicles in mountains. That is the right thing. But now in the trusts next to the borders from those stations that are situated in those areas, I think they deserve to get better vehicles in order to be utilized in those mountainous areas. Thank you very much.
Thanks very much for those questions. Honorable Minister, we're in your hands. Yes, Chairperson, uh, it, it does look like most of the questions uh, that you were raised by honorable members would be technical questions. Uh, why, why less pay in July uh, when they expected the number two to be up? I, I, I guess uh, maybe as the key figures there, there, there was a lot of money that was paid in July of a of a overtime, uh, unless it is delayed, but it will have to be explained uh, again, Chairperson. Uh, uh, the question of the uh, the money of the cluster uh, going forward, uh, it's it, it's a problem of the of the of all segments taking the taking the decision on dealing with this one. Uh, indeed, Honorable Whitefoot, <laughs> there will be a negative impact for the fact that the integrated approach uh, from A to B or from A to Z of, of, of this cluster has not been, has not been, uh, uh, has not been achieved. But uh, specific uh, specs can be said by, again, the people that work on that environment, what is exactly the thing. But it's one thing that has been raised time and again uh, on this on this money. Uh, though there is a new there, though there is a, a a new way of of working on the money that now it has been ring fenced by the treasurer uh, that this amount will be for this department, this amount will be for this department in the cluster. Honorable uh, 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 Mr. Whitefield, one thing that this money has caused, the, the damage you see uh, on, the, on the environment and forensic, uh, environment of forensic sciences is, is, is this money, <laughs> because uh, at one time police use it as theirs. And when there was instruction to say, give cash, give uh, Caesar to what belongs to Caesar. Police were found wanting on this money. It's one money that has really caused us a negative impact moving from it to where we are. Though we're adjusting, I'm sure, but it can be explained uh, going, uh, going forward. Compliance, they will tell, which is a policy of the government. I hope we're complying with the 30 days, uh, but they, they, they will tell. Honorable Telegraph, uh, uh, I think it's always, it's always good to speak about swimming to a swimmer. Uh, you, you have been in this environment, Honorable Telegraph, uh, of, of the infrastructure of the South African police. Uh, you have been around this. Uh, I, I can remind you that one, one time we were in one, one flight from Deben. You, you, you were from Nsuze police station at, uh, at Mapumul. That police station has not changed. Uh, that police station uh, still have the same uh, 
prefabs, uh, which are in a, in a bad state now. Uh, but we remember, Honorable Taylor Blatcher, that the station of uh, Inanda, how long did it take to build and how much was the change of the original budget from 15 million to 47 million. So the, we, we tried to, to correct the thing by creating the internal capacity of dealing with this matter of, of infrastructure. Uh, we still believe that that will help a lot. I don't know what it will take to put the capacity within the South African police, because you, I, I, even when you look at the time frames of our sister department, uh, of our sister department, things like clearing, clearing the site. Uh, I think the time given is a year just to clear the site. Uh, I, I don't know what else, but uh, nothing goes less than the year when you really need that 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 police station. By the time the police station uh, finishes, the communities uh, are, are almost fed up and all that kind of, of, of stuff. Uh, I. Uh, you would know, Honorable Terry of the what used to be the accommodation in the Tepen Central, uh, what has become of it. You ask every day, why was it allowed to reach where it is now? Why don't we pick it up and all that kind of thing? And then the question again will be public works. I, I have had the meetings uh, with uh, my counterpart in public work to raise issues on the infrastructure of the of the South African police, uh, which uh, which uh, <clears throat> it doesn't give much hope uh, going going forward under the under the present circumstances. We we, we are having trouble on some matters. Uh, somebody yesterday spoke about that new building of Telcom, uh, which has been there for for many years. We still. Uh, uh, we still we have gone to see the offices, but we have told that we can't come to the offices. Uh, the other major problem will be the issue of leases when it comes to uh, this department. We have buildings, uh, honorable members, that are condemned, that police have nothing to do with them. But police are told at the later stage that the lease has been already extended on the condemned building instead of finding the new building, is, is one area of this infrastructure that is giving us a real, real headache. I don't know how we'll solve it. I think capacity building internally would really help, uh, but it is a, is a difficult capacity. It's a very difficult capacity to make, to build. Uh, by the way, it's not only uh, public works on that. CETA issues are serious issues. Uh, we have tried, I think we are trying to work on the relationships, but there are, there are times when we do, don't see uh, things eye to eye. Unfortunately, those things, they impact, uh, they impact on, the, on, the, on the working of, of the police. But I, I, I hope and I think at the present moment we are trying to improve uh, the relationship uh, on that one. Uh, again, is an area which uh, if the capacity, which is not a very is not a very hard capacity to to achieve since we do have our 
IT section, which can improve on that one. Uh, we believe life can be uh, even better uh, on, on, on that one. Uh, K9, they will answer why, uh, but somebody spoke about the non-availability of dogs, so they will uh, really explain why the delay, Honorable Shindaini, of paying the police, uh, which is a wish that they get their money as they finish to, uh, to, to work. Uh, I, I don't know about that education trust <clears throat> you wanted to know. Uh, and fortunately, we spoke about it a few days ago with the Deputy National Commissioner Vuma. Uh, you, you, you would know if you do that that is one area that personally is very close in the heart of the Minister of, of Police uh, dealing with that matter. Uh, it has been dilapidated, it has had some problems, uh, Honorable Member, but we are really relooking really at it uh, to revamp it because it will be a serious criminal offense from our side if we allow that thing to collapse. Uh, by the way, you are from this environment. You know that people that die in this environment are not those that are senior, are not those that have already accumulated uh, some wealth in the system, but are those that are young and as they, as they die young, which means they leave people, uh, kids very, very young. I, I remember one funeral uh, that I attended in Cryfontaine in Cape Town some years ago. Uh, the young member that we're burying was 23. The wife was 19, uh, carrying a, a three months old. So these things, as you know, as you see them, uh, it, that's a project we can't allow uh, Honorable Shembeni to, to, to go down. So I'm glad that you are raising it, but uh, maybe uh, DNC will ex uh, expand what's happening about it, uh, what, we have, what are we trying to do it. Uh, I, I think we, we can also try to collect uh, the information because I'm told that there are several, several graduates now uh, that, come from, that come from that system, uh, which will be a good thing to come and give those, uh, those, uh, that good news to the, to the members what this has, has, has done. Uh, but I, I will allow there for the further uh, expansion from the uh, DNC VUMA. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Minister. Um, let me appreciate the questions that have been posed by our Honorable Members. This slide with regards to a comparative analysis uh, where the, the Honorable Member wanted to know why we have spent low somewhere in July and August. I think the majority of the expenditure there is based on the overtime uh, payment. So overtime payment, when it has been worked in July, we allow the month to complete and we process the overtime payment the following month. So that might be one of the reasons why it is a little bit low in July, because July, they were still working. The, processes of payment had to take place the following month. So in some instances, you'll find that even though the procurement process might have been initiated in July, 
but delivery takes place maybe towards the end of the month, then the payment gets finalized the following month. That could be some of the reasons. And I want to couple that together with a question that was asked by Honorable Shembeni with regard to the loss expenditure in November against the month of December. It may be uh, as a result of the very same explanation that I'm saying that we might have worked um, a lot of overtime during the elections, which is part of November month, but the processing of those payments took place in December, hence December will look like it is high in expenditure. It is not because we are dumping, um, doing the fiscal dumping, but this is how the payment mostly for overtime is getting realized. You first allow the month to where people are working overtime to complete, then you start to initiate the processes of payment right at the end of the month. With regards to the issue of the ICJ finding the minister has touched on it, and that definitely the, the criminal justice system gets affected in that regard. However, we, we, the environment that are mostly affected is the forensic services and detectives environment. In regard to specific projects that might have been affected by this uh, situation, I will allow uh, Major General Mulawuzi to provide the specifics after I finalized my explanations. Uh, the issue of um, the dogs, I will equally request General um, Masemula to allude to that uh, uh, matter. Uh, with regard to the issue that the minister has uh, alluded to, the matter that is very, very close to the heart of our minister. We have experienced some challenges. We normally get only this one million, as you rightfully said, Honorable uh, Shemben, from the budget of the police, which is not enough at all to cover the education for our fallen heroes. So we used to do what we call a fundraising exercise every January. Were during the time of uh, police day. But unfortunately, the past two years, it has not been practically possible to do that for us because of uh, we were affected by COVID-19. So we ended up with a very uh, limping situation, which we are starting to revitalize. We got some assistance to get some payment from Old Mutual. However, the 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 matter where you are requesting us to provide the number of parcels that have taken place that we have issued, we'll be able to compile that in the form of a report. But as the minister has rightfully said, there are initiatives to revitalize and to make sure that this environment receives the necessary attention that it deserves. Some of the challenges that we experience is the resignation of the board of directors during this time of uh, a difficulty which we are resuscitating to get the new board members in that space. Uh, I think the minister has uh, uh, addressed most of the issues, including the one of the police stations. With your permission, Honorable Chairperson, I will allow General Masemula to talk about the issues of the dogs and General Malawusi to come in in regard to the specific projects that are being affected by the ICJS budget. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson.
afternoon. Thank you. I thought Lieutenant General Masamola would just come in. Uh, Chaperson, uh, if I may, it's General Ndaba, um, the Acting Divisional Commissioner at uh, Visual Policy and Operations. Um, General Masemula looks like he's not connected in, the, in this meeting because he had a meeting earlier before this meeting. So I'll, I would uh, respond if I may allow to respond on the issue of uh, procurement of talks. We are allowed. Uh, thank you, Chaperson, and uh, our Honourable Minister. Uh, good morning. Uh, the issue of the procurement of docs, yes, the, the, the budget shows that we haven't done anything up to so far, but the whole process has been finalized in terms of the procurement of docs. Currently, we are at a stage where we are assessing the docs from the suppliers uh, so that then we'll be able to get the, the right docs. We have got our vet services that's, uh, that's uh, uh, assisting us in leading the process of the assessment of docs and also um, the Department of uh, HRD. Uh, because they also have got assessors within that period. So we definitely are looking forward uh, to the finalization of this process or the procurement of docs where the budget will be utilized by the end of uh, this financial year. Chairperson, uh, I submit. Thank you. Hello. Honorable Chairperson, shall we also allow the CFO to allude on the late transfer of a one million? Uh, All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. The, um, in terms of the one million uh, donation to the trust, um, that we awaited the adjusted uh, bill to be signed. It was only signed in January. We have uh, corresponded with the um, trust to ensure that there is compliance in terms of section 38 of the PFMA. Once that confirmation is received from the trust, then this particular donation will be finalized in this regard. Um, thank you, Chair. General Mulawuzi, can you please uh, uh, explain the specific projects from CFA with your permission, Chairperson? General Mulawuzi? Maybe my honorable chair, he's struggling. He was in the meeting, he is in the meeting. It might be the issue of connectivity. Yeah, he is in the meeting. Um, let me quickly call him, honorable chairperson. Thank you very much. If he is unable to come in, we will be able to submit with all other reports, the specifics of the projects that are affected by this non-expenditure. Thank you very much, chairperson. Are there further questions, colleagues?
Um, I see the hand of Honorable Shembeni, Honorable Whitfield, and Honorable Terplange. Honorable Shembeni? Is it a legacy hand? Honorable Whitfield? Thank you, Chair. Um, Chairperson, the Minister directed uh, the SAPs to respond to the question of 30-day payment of suppliers. That question um, has has not been dealt with, uh, so I would ask, please, that we get an answer to that as well. Okay, Honorable Chair Blanche. Chairperson, <clears throat> Chairperson, thank you. I didn't get a response on my question regarding the vehicles. And then I also want the police maybe to explain what the problem is with Polmet for members regarded, regarding COVID-19 and injury on duty. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Saps. Mambuma. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, I'm not so sure in regard to the question of Paul met injury on duty. What exactly is the question specifying? Uh, with regard to 30 days uh, payment, I will allow the CFO to expantiate in that regard, and as well as the issue of the vehicle general rankings, the acting divisional commissioner will be able to provide us whether those uh, placement of orders redirected, are they locally manufactured or otherwise? Thank you, Chairperson. CFO and general rankings, please. And general Molaudi was kicked off by the system. He is ready now if the Chairperson so allows to respond. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, uh, the question of payment of service providers within 30 days, I must just indicate that the department is compliant at 99.76%. You will have um, invoices that we are disputing where we have to go back to the um, service providers to clear those disputes. But in terms of compliance, we are at 99.76%. In terms of the IODs, Chair, we had uh, cases where members uh, could prove that they had contracted uh, injury on duty when it comes to COVID-19. We are working with our medical aid to validate those particular cases so that we ensure that uh, the relevant payments are made within prescripts that governs the IOD payments. So we are in that particular process working with our medical schemes because there are payments that needs to be made. That process is unfolding. We anticipate that by the end of March, that particular process would have been concluded in this regard. Thank you, Chair. General Hankins, please come in. If General Hankins is kicked off, uh, can we, shall we allow General Mlaudzi to respond to the specific projects that are affected 
by ICJS budget. General Malawisi, please, with your permission, Chair. I'm sure he is kicked out again, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Um, I will check with him. Thank you very much. If they are kicked out, can we can we say we receive a written response to those questions with details? Because maybe they are the ones who are having details to the to the questions. Will that be fine, honourable members? Fine, Thank you. I think we have done justice to this item. Uh, I don't see any more hands. Therefore, we can step out of this item and move to the next one. Babala, what's the next item? Oh, I see. Outside, oh. this was the last uh, item. This was the last item. Um, yes, sir. All right. Can I give uh, the minister your parting words as we move towards closing the meeting? Chairperson, uh, with your permission, uh, I would allow the deputy minister to round off for us on this one. Yeah. No, th thanks, uh, uh, Chair. Thanks, Minister, and uh, thanks, uh, members of the committee, for uh, your 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 uh, questions uh, and comments in this regard. Uh, we we can confirm that we share the same sentiments with yourselves that uh, every cent that we are given, we should spend it because we are not. Uh, we are not a savings bank. We have no business in a saving. Saving, we need to spend, and any amount that is not spent is a serious concern uh, to us. And the minister has been leading uh, in this regard to ensure that this aspect is dealt with. The issues we have raised, we, we will definitely look at, look at them to improve our expenditure. Uh, in, in this regard, around infrastructure, we are also considering interacting with IDT, which you all know that uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an institution created by the state to assist with social infrastructure uh, delivery. We are at the moment currently setting up, uh, facilitating an engagement with them so that we can discuss how we can collaborate with them to assist us in this regard so that going forward, we don't have a recurring uh, problem occurring under, under our watch. But as we always say that uh, every time we interact with the portfolio committee, we come out richer in terms of uh, uh, being sharpened to do better as, as we leave the portfolio. And we also made the same commitment like we did last year that we will continue, continue to work 
to reduce uh, this challenge that brought us here today. I hope and believe that in the next financial year we'll have a different uh, outcome. But thank you very much and uh, thanks, uh, Generals, for for having been able to respond to the questions that were, were asked and also appreciate that uh, General Libya was also part of the, uh, uh, the platform. We might not have indicated that in the beginning, but we appreciate uh, the, the platform chair. Thanks, Minister, once more for uh, having been able to lead us appropriately in this space. Thank you, Chair, for the opportunity. Thank you very much, GM. Um, and thank you very much, honorable members. A special thanks to Dr. Bosopu, who is a member of our committee. This was his first meeting, if I'm correct. And I think as we go on, he will be able to, to input and contribute productively to the, to the discussions. Thank you very much, DM and Minister and your staff for coming to the meeting. And thank you, honorables, members of the portfolio committee and our support staff. You are always doing a good job. We know sometimes you are forced to do things under pressure. Sometimes the chairperson, you just change time without uh, consulting some of you, but it's because of material conditions uh, on the ground. So we really appreciate your understanding on, the, on such kind of issues. And thanks very much. Our, uh, we had budgeted eight to 11 uh, for our meeting. I think uh, that we started late, but we managed to be on time and deal with issues that needed attention of the committee. Having said that, the meeting uh, stand again until we meet again uh, next week. Enjoy the rest of your day. The meeting is Thank you, Chair. Thank you Thank very you, much. Chair. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Majorzi. Chair, thank you, Minister. Though you don't speak to me these days, I don't know. Are we, are we, are we in a dispute or something? I'm never going more with you. <laughs> okay. All right, Minister. Uh, have a great day. Thank you, everybody.